Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Planet of the Apes. Um, I guess we should do this particular one then. So, you know the In year, the yeah. year 1986, we went to Monkey Planet. Wait. Yeah, I was the era. Yeah, it's, that's, that's they got Transformers on the brain. That's what it is. That's King Kong lives. <laughs> In the year 1968, we went to Monkey Planet. <laughs> oh, you already got the Monkey Planet thing out. Okay, I, I, I was saving myself for that. Um, guest Andrew, are you aware that that is the name of this movie in Japan? Uh, no, no, it's but Mon- how appropriate! I, it's I Monkey didn't Planet. even bat an eye. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, cool. What's that? Um, I don't know where. What's that? Um, the, 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 the Osaru no Sekai? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think something monkey. like that. Yeah. Um. A- anyway. Um. How how was I going to do this? Sanctuary. I was trying to put the whole introduction like just condensed today. Why? Because <laughs> that way I don't have to be like, hey, this is Matt. This is Luke. And this is a sci-fi sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yeah, I know. I just be like, Fank? No, Fank. I'm putting the fi in there, right? Just to tweak it a bit. Okay. Because you got future for the end, so I'm trying to find something for the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to make it, you know, kind of like on a... Matt, what film are we talking about? Monkey Planet. Or you, <laughs> also known as... You may also know this film as Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Which it took us what two years and change from only doing the Burton one to actually get to this, which is <laughs> I, I well, I was saying to you yesterday, I think now that we're about finished with the trek, it's like the next big one to just like trow on is probably this one. Well, last night I watched Planet of the Apes on Amazon Prime and I remembered what happened with the Star Trek where I rented them one by one from Amazon for like three hundred yen each. And that was definitely not the cheapest way to watch all those films. So while I was watching it last night, I ordered the Blu-ray box sets of oh, okay. the Planet of the Apes films. So good, good. So I'm I very prepared for this marathon. <laughs> good, because I was like, I, I, I have them on disc myself, but I was like, oh, I, this time I just had to, I knew I had to watch it the night before, which I ended up doing on archive anyway, so I could watch it at expedited speed. Listeners, don't worry. I've seen this movie like an insane number of times. So, um, <laughs> Andrew, you've seen it an insane number of times, I'm sure. Well, this is my favorite film franchise. Yeah, okay. A lot of people are surprised to hear me say that because, um, you know, I'm mostly known as a cult film or a horror movie person, but it's honestly because I feel like um, because they're all linked together and they're all part of the same story, um, that they're just super, super consistent. Meaning 
I don't feel that any of the apes films are bad. And um, the, yeah, the fact that, that one goes to the other, you don't often get that with franchises. It just is mm-hmm. not a thing that usually happens. So it's very satisfying every time. Where do you fall on Burton apes then? Cause I chose that as you know, films we hate month. Um, while there are good things, like we were like the sets, the makeup, they are like amazing. But uh, yeah. yeah, how are you on, on Burton Ape? Well, I do know that, um, you know, initially the, uh, the Planet of the Apes, I think this their society was supposed to have been a, li- a bit more technologically advanced. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, in the book, it's just like um, Earth. Like if uh, basically the third, uh, the third movie, Escape from Planet of the Apes, is more like the book than this one is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard. And so I like that, um, you know, that, that we... I always like it when they update one with, uh, you know, in, in a way that like the original directors would have loved to have been able to do, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But um, for me, it's all about the makeups. I mean, I don't, I think that was one of the very last big Hollywood productions to, ha- to rely that heavily on practical effects. I think that's what me and Matt said at the time. Yeah. And I, so and I, I did come out of that podcast appreciating the film more. Cause I just remember coming out of the theater uh, on opening night. What, what, what time of year did it come out? Sorry, I'm just wondering if I'd like just been dumped when that came out or not. <laughs> <Does> that, <laughs> that might come on. That was a three and a half year relationship. I might it might have been to be perfectly honest. Uh, it came out in da, 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 July 27th. It came out. Oh no, no, no! I wouldn't have been a problem at the time. I just didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I. It came out the same weekend as Pootie Tang. And I convinced all my friends to see Pootie Tang instead. <laughs> I guess this was not your favorite film franchise at the time. No, it was. I just was like, I, I was more excited about Pootie Tang. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I mentioned, I might have mentioned it here before. Once I, I, I was um, teaching at a summer camp. So I don't know if I was a counselor or a teacher or somewhere in between. But I was charged to go rent a few movies for the kids' pizza party. And, and I remember one of them was Pootie Tang. Yeah. <laughs> I made a bunch of... 12 year old watch pretty day <laughs> i'm telling you i i uh had one of my my young nephew was here and I, I believe he was about eight or nine and um uh i gave him the choice between lord of the rings or undercover brother and he chose undercover brother oh yeah that's a solid film okay speaking of undercover you know i discovered for the first time last night undercover discovered okay yeah go ahead um lance link secret chimp Oh, you didn't know that one? Okay. Oh, no, I watched the first episode last night. Now, now, okay. If you want to look at some ape rage, look at what they're doing to the monkeys. Uh, they were like, like shocking them and stuff to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff. I was as I was watching it, I was like, this is hilarious. But I bet these apes were not treated well. <laughs> I mean, imagine the amount of poop on the set of Lancelot Link's Secret <laughs> Chimp. Yeah, like it, was, it was not a secret what the smell was on set every day. Um. The Planet of the Apes, I don't even remember seeing this the first time. I, I was saying just before we went on air that I probably watched this at least once a month for at least five years. Uh, Superstation, TBS 17, not cable in Atlanta. I had uh, this and Beneath on a VHS where I'd hit pause for the commercials, of course. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? Now it's like, how cool would it be to put that tape in with the commercials, though, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, that's why I'll, that's what, where YouTube got all those, you know, retro commercials from. It was tapes. You yeah. Know? 30 years down the line, you're like, not that I'm going to watch Planet of the Apes on a VHS now, but uh, if I did, I'd want to see the commercials. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, this and Beneath, I'd seen like so many times. And I don't even think I'd gotten to the third movie till probably like I was 20 something years old. It's just the first two over and over forever. So, which I don't know. You can live off that. Second one does have a pretty definitive ending. <laughs> I like them all. Uh, Luke, what's your history with this one? I assume you've seen this more than once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely watched it as a kid, but not like you. I probably only saw it once. Just it was on TV and my parents would have been like, Luke, this is a classic. You got to watch this. Okay. Yeah. Then I, I picked up the DVD set. It would have been around 2010, like in the run up to Rise coming out. And I watched this beneath Escape. Maybe didn't even make it through four and five. Um, and then watched it again last night. So I'd maybe only seen it three times, four times. Okay. Not for well, lack of it being good, because as I'm watching it last night, I'm like, oh, what a picture. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a great film. Um, I just, yeah, haven't got around to seeing it that many times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, some films you gravitate towards, uh, some that are great, but not necessarily. I haven't seen this so much recently. Um, I think it might have been a little before, maybe even a little after Rise is when I picked up the Blu-rays for the original series like i didn't mm. get a box that I, I i did i lived near a place that you know back when you could still buy a bunch of physical media easily and just kind of worked my way through and that's when i first saw maybe i'd seen three before but four and five were were new to me and uh yeah although i've seen them several times since because i don't know if it's my favorite film franchise but it, it is a it is a hell of a one so yeah well <laughs> it's not even like it, i don't gravitate towards it because like so i the reason I ended up discovering Lancelot Lane is because I put up a tweet saying, like, I think I'm realizing about myself. I just, I like monkey movies, you know? I like, I like ape pictures. <laughs> I like gorilla flicks. Like, <laughs> that's my stuff. <laughs> we did. So, you know, back in the day, they used to make loads of these. I wish they'd, they'd do it more. I sent you that link, right, from the uh, Caught Classics YouTube channel where, with his all vintage ape films. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when I've got a free evening, that might be what I do. It's just start yeah. putting on some. <laughs> well, that's right, because there was Congo and they did Mighty Joe Young. Which one? Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, there's been a bunch of Kongs. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. I just saw that they're, um, they announced the director uh, for uh, Kong versus godzilla part two mm. should it be godzilla round two? Part two round two round two yeah should be round yeah. two <laughs> so yeah yeah like now you uh mighty joe young congo you're talking the 90s right i i, I sent luke this stuff from like the 30s 40s and 50s oh. like real <laughs> real weird monkey stuff <laughs> yeah yeah no those were um mighty joe young was the last movie i saw at the uh the 441 drive-in out here before they closed it bruce campbell was in uh congo yeah yeah I, I haven't seen congo since opening night but you know yeah we we do gorilla movies around here oh yeah so, um, congo could definitely fit in as a sci-fi oh yeah easily i i mean anything with a giant monkey or ape will work is that probably, michael so. crichton yeah, no. yeah i think it's michael crichton the, okay. although that's that is a case of the book is better <laughs> uh but hey reassess the movie you never know what you're gonna find right um Sometimes, you know, time ages movies well sometimes. Uh, let's do a plot on this. So, Luke, you, you have that ready to go? I mean, I, you say ready to go. I close the window because I'm an idiot. That's fine because I'm actually going to take a whiz while you're reading it. Okay, well, <laughs> don't do what you did on that oral hygiene and leave the door open and the microphone on. <laughs> now I got to go downstairs. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
it's because <laughs> it's because Luke's floor is kind of wet, right? So I don't want to put both feet in there because then both of my socks are fully wet. I want to put like both of my weight on my left foot with the right foot just there for leverage. But then the door was open. So, yeah. When I thought about okay, the wet and yeah, but uh, I don't want wet socks. <laughs> anyway, that was a fantastic way to end that podcast. But no, you will not be hearing that today. You will be hearing uh, Luke's summary and me maybe closing the store. <laughs> Taylor, Landon, and Dodge awaken on their crashed spaceship after 18 months in hypersleep for them, but, be- but millennia for the Earth. They explore an alien world until, as they're skinny dipping, they meet local mute humans. Just then, a hunting party of gorillas ride through, and Taylor finds himself a lab rat among the apes. Injured in the throat, he is unable to prove himself more than an animal, as intelligent apes investigate him. Dr. Zira names him Bright Eyes and sees him as proof that humans are related to apes and worthy of respect, while leader of the Science Council, Dr. Zayas, sees him as a dangerous mutant. Taylor escapes, tells the damn dirty apes to get their paws off him, and is given a sham trial. He flees into the wilderness with Zira, her nephew, and her husband, who hopes to prove his own archaeological theories about human intelligence. Dr. Zayas and his armies pursue them, but after a tense standoff in which they're unable to pry the gun from Taylor's cold, dead hands, Zira is vindicated and Taylor is free to explore the planet away from his ape oppressors. But oh my God, he was wrong. It was Earth all along. They finally made a monkey out of him. I sort of thought you were going to sing that last part because I had a glance at your uh, summary. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume there will be a musical number at some point in this podcast. I can't hold it in forever.
No, I just did one where we brought it up and we were like, we'll not sing song. I was like, I'm just, you know, to shake my fist against reality. I was like, going to not, not sing <laughs> Just it. like in both Luke's summary and in your notes, there are NRA references or adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> NRA uh, forever. Heston That's right. Reference. Yeah. With the cold dead hand thing. Oh, mm-hmm. here's a funny thing, though. That was that was my Twilight Zone podcast where Planet of the Apes came up and I was like, just will not sing the song. And then the very next episode was with... Um, uh, Henrik, where we somehow it came up again. So he just went into like three minute renditions of every Simpsons musical, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the first time I was like, okay, hold back on the song and just him and here we go. Because <laughs> it's hard not to sing the, the songs. Oh, now. while we're on the, the Simpsons musical, what I something that finally clicked for me last night is the Troy McClure voice is literally just Charlton Heston. <laughs> like that's the impression he's doing i hadn't like put that together until last night yeah. when i was watching charlton in this and i was just like oh that's troy mcclure's voice that's what I, he's doing i should throw out that andrew is notoriously unfamiliar with the simpsons if i remember correctly i was there watching the first couple of years and then i just yeah i, I mean, mean- what no, for him, like? he, mean, he means like the first two years. Yeah. <laughs> like couple, um, he meant couple. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, Fox on Sunday nights was Simpsons, I feel, was early. It was your work schedule, I think. It was like you were always at work or something. I, I don't no, remember quite. No, but... it wasn't. I was okay. watching In Living Color and Married with Children, which were on later at night. Oh, okay. Don't know why. Anyway, yeah, I just remember like. In the late 90s, like everyone was like talking fully in Simpsons quotes, and that wasn't really your jam. <laughs> I like the Simpsons a lot, but you know, I just I don't know for some reason. Yeah, I just I just wasn't a big TV watcher. No, no, I get that. I mean, what there's all these shows I'm currently not watching that I should, I've been told by multiple people I need to be watching Mood Night, and I just haven't gotten around to it. So <laughs> Moon Night. Yeah. Oh, the okay. Disney Plus one, right? Yeah. I'm just saying. I heard. I've had several people say you should really watch that, but I'm like, I mean, yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that that's not. I don't know. That that sounds like a middling suggestion there. <laughs> For me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've not um, watched a single Disney Plus show yet. So. <laughs> anyway, that uh, yeah, that Heston, hell, hell of a burly American man. Oh yeah. <laughs> this was back when leading men were leading men. It's but- it's. Back in the day, the main character, the identifiable viewpoint character, was the Chad. But nowadays, you're not meant to associate with the Chad. You're meant to associate with the Virgin, and the Chad's the bad guy. That's (laughs) what went wrong in cinema. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, but this, yeah, like, again, this Heston's a a, a bit of an arse, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's very. Well, that's that's the other thing that's great about these sort of 60s, 70s era sci fi is. Your hero isn't necessarily that likable. <laughs> like, because he's meant to represent, like, in many ways, the worst of humanity. Like, you know, he's meant to hold a mirror up to the audience and not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. So, yeah, like, through a lot of this film, like, he's got a charm to him, but what he's doing and saying is really dickish. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not even cool to his fellow astronauts you know (laughs) yeah like the first thing he starts doing after they're stranded on an alien planet and like their one female companion is dead is just bully his friends (laughs) and he's the commander like his subordinates he's just bullying them (laughs) like 
what did it, what were they expecting when they landed uh, were they just gonna make because were they supposed to make like a soft landing and uh, build a tent and i guess so and then just like they went to a... take turns impregnating her from what he was saying yeah i know <laughs> like... they could have just take like an even number of men and women <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought um but yeah heston's in such a weird place where like just from the actor himself it's like you kind of like him and you kind of can't yeah <laughs> so but that's perfect for this movie basically because mm. <laughs> he is he is a scummy human dr zayas is right so he will he, he i mean let you know spoiler for the second he basically does bring ruin to them all so dr zayas was right all along wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that the next actor to talk about, or do we want to? I feel like there's so much we like you could talk about Heston, but you just be like making NRA references after one minute, <laughs> which we already did. Yeah, <laughs> which we already did. So, um, Dr. Zayas, uh, what was the actor's name? Um, I have to check. I he was not the one I was expecting to come up second because for me, second lead is, um, Roddy McDowell, that's zero. Okay. Yeah. okay, sure, let's do that. I, I just said Dr. Zayas several times, so I thought we'd go there. But okay, Roddy McDowell, yeah. Um, I would say Kim Hunter is second myself. <laughs> yes, because you terms first of, watched this when you were a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah, in terms of names people would recognize, you know, I think McDowell oh, and, is a bigger name than the two, the other two. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking, yeah, in terms of names people would recognize, but. Kim Hunter has way more agency. Roddy McDowell's, you know, but Cornelius is basically just kind of following her. Around, oh, you know? sorry. I thought um, Roddy McDowell was. I thought that was. I got the actors backwards. Oh, Roddy okay. could be a girl's name or a boy's name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you don't know Roddy McDowell as well as some of the rest of us. Well, but uh... the main film I've seen him in, he has a monkey mask on all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> that is true um yeah so but yeah kim hunter i felt like is sort of the second in yeah that's movie. who i meant <laughs> okay <laughs> what is, is she too manly monkey monkey man no, she's absolutely you? fantastic and she does a really good job of emoting through the mask yeah yeah which is you know as strekkies know that can be quite difficult to do i think one of the things that's I'm sure later we'll talk about the actual prosthetics and the costumes themselves. But one thing that is really great about this film is everyone who is playing an ape, they don't just walk around like a human in an ape mask. They have all these little different mannerisms and the way they walk and the way they move their hands, that they're not people. They are apes. They're different. And she does like little hand movements and slightly different ways that she walks. And even the way that she expresses, you can tell what emotion she's doing, but it's not just a human expression. It is a slightly different, slightly animal ape expression. Um, and yeah, I remember when we were talking to, um, when we talked to the ape from 2001, he was saying that it's not, the costume's not enough. It's the movement and the, like him and um, Kubrick spent like six months mastering how these apes should move to convince you that they're apes. And I'm, this obviously doesn't go to that level. Like, no one is watching this convinced that they're real apes. But it is hey, when I was five, really maybe. well done. 
<laughs> I actually, you know what? When I first saw this, I probably was about five, and I probably did think they were real apes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought the two thousand one apes were real apes till I was probably like fifteen. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I had didn't think about it that hard till I was fifteen, right? Well, the two thousand one apes, even when we watched it two years ago, I like I couldn't tell if some of the shots were real animals or not. That stuff was really good. Yeah, yeah. This um, isn't quite on that level, but I was teaching a class a few days ago, and I was holding a card in both hands and doing something, and and the class was going a little nutty. So I was like, like you know, trying to be like sit up straight, and somehow I I had the cards in hand and did like this weird like kind of doggy pose. Mm-hmm. And the kids thought that was funny and they thought they were being cheeky. So they all started doing that. I'm like, well, they're now they're, they're behaving. They look weird, but they're behaving. So I'm, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> they did it for the rest of the class. <laughs> they, they thought they were getting one over. I'm like, no, that's fine. I don't care. You can do that. You're now you're paying attention and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that happens. Um, but yeah, yeah, emoting to that. You know, Ryan McDowell does a fair amount of that. He gets to do a lot more later, of course. Um, mm. This isn't where he really makes his keep in the Apes franchise. He'll do that later. But <laughs> I mean, it's great here. But yeah, Kim Hunter is sort of right. the, uh, the one that we've got our eye on. No, you thought I had my eye on uh, Linda. Linda Harrison. Harrison. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right, right, right. yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I noticed her run as a teenager, too, but she doesn't really do anything. No, now, yeah. now I'm like, that's like picking up the um well okay i'll say i'll say dumb girl because that literally makes sense you know picking up the dumb girl at the bar <laughs> yeah no yeah, yeah yeah like it's real messed up the relationship between Charlton Heston and her <laughs> here's a here's like, a model do it george you will. taylor and her <laughs> but like on the other hand like there's, there's that's all that's on the planet <laughs> take your perks where you get them yeah <laughs> Yeah, right. so Maurice Evans is Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Okay, that was a that was an understated version, but cool. Um, he's still out. He was at he was at a screening just a few weeks ago. Um, still still riding on the uh Zayas. Um Was he? Is he I think so. Is it why he died dead? in nineteen eighty nine? Oh, that's the wrong person. Okay, I got the wires crossed. So anyway. <laughs> Maybe that maybe it's later. Yeah, I was like you lost me there, man. I, yeah, I, actually, when, when I when I was told he was at a screening, I kind of had a feeling that I I might be getting. I was like, it's, it's can that be right? Okay, so it's not right. Parts so, of them could have been there. It, it might have been another monkey who is still alive. Can we call these folks monkeys? I mean, it's Monkey Planet in Japan. I feel like monkeys okay. I mean, I think I said this on the previous Planet podcast, but you'd get your ass kicked on the Planet of the Apes for calling them monkeys. Yeah, that's true. Um, Andrew, give, give give your thoughts. I'm going to go get a Patreon bonus for fun. Uh, <laughs> your actor <laughs> thoughts. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of like what you're saying about the makeup being, um, you know, kind of made of such material to where they could actually emote through it. But I agree with you 100% about Kim Harrison. Um, it was just the... Uh, uh, the little the little things she would do like just they'd cut to her and she'd be sniffing or something like that mm. or you know tending to uh, lucius's hair or something like that just to pick nits out of it um it was you know one of those i mean this was a this was still a good decade or so before like 
the prosthetic makeups revolution happened where they started to use foam latex. And okay. so this is, this is really kind of amazing, like in between achievement and makeup effects, because um, I was at one point, I think I was watching this movie with my kid and she was like, I can see their mouths inside there. Mm. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's because it's right there. You know, well, at least you weren't watching battle or the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole, we're not doing that. Are we? Eventually. <laughs> well, the TV okay. show can be a, a one and done for your other podcast, surely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about the animated series. I actually like that. Yeah, I've heard that one's quite good. No, nah, here, here, I, I was just getting my own, my own makeup for this. Okay. Nice. Right. I was hoping you were going to come back with an actual monkey mask. Like, oh, yeah. That I would have be cool. got a big, like, full head rubber gorilla mask back in the UK. And I went to Dawn of the Planet of the Apes in it. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Andrew's got one. <laughs> I, I have two puppets, though. That's cool. And nice. Double puppet them. Yeah, we got monkeys around here, though. You know, he did have a nice gorilla one, but uh, that that did not survive the um, stuffed animal purge of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I had to save the monkeys. There we go. Okay, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why he hasn't been wearing this the whole time. Probably because it's too hot after two minutes. But no, no, good mask too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And muffled. Yeah, I guess the muffle. Oh, the mouth moves. Oh, the mouth nice. moves. Okay, that's impressive. So, yeah. <laughs> it reminds you... me of Showbiz Pizza. Look, I'm Gene Simmons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, um, I, Luke. I assume you know a little bit about Showbiz Pizza, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's like some regions had Chuck E. Cheese and some regions had Showbiz Pizza. I think we had a little both, but anyway, the animatronic yeah. band was, you know, truly disturbing. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. No, I, I listened to a whole podcast about Chuck E. Cheese and Shepard's Pizza recently. It's fascinating stuff. Right. <laughs> Don't forget, I made that movie Bikini Gorilla. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, when you went off. I was like, oh, he made that movie Bikini Gorilla. <laughs> yeah, not, the, not the same oh, one, but I, oh, I had the, the gloves, too. OK, that's that's just for your personal use then. OK, yes. Yes, it is. But, <laughs> I bought my gorilla costume originally for a fancy, like, I think it was Halloween at the supermarket where I worked. And I arrived, everyone's like, oh, I'm like, oh, look, you go, go and see Chloe. She loves gorillas. I got to her and she screams like one of the most I've ever heard anyone scream. She has like a massive fear of anyone who's wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a and, like, word for that? Kind of traumatized her. And I was like, oh, sorry, everyone told they, they thought you would like it. I thought you would like it. They were just trying to play a plank, I guess. I was gonna say they sounds like they really don't like her. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's nice enough. <laughs> he had this coming. I didn't close my door when I brought in my monkeys. Okay, uh, I thought you were going to get another prop, and I was like, guys, this is getting a bit much for what is primarily an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, close my door when I brought in my monkeys. The Matt <laughs> Comages story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, of course I do the Twilight Zone podcast and that really dovetails in here because we have Rod Serling writing these, the first story treatment 
mm. the of uh, the book being written by that French dude. I don't even think I can Pierre Boulle. He's a um like famous French intellectual. Okay, I actually did read the book. Um, oh, I was going to ask actually because last time we talked, we both bought the book and never read it. I was going to ask if you got around to reading it. <laughs> No, I realized I actually that might be another reason I didn't like the Burton one, because I read the book. I realized I had read the book before going to see the Burton one. So maybe okay. I so maybe I had it in my mind that he was going to follow the book more. Mm. And then he just had a total, you know, like totally different take. So that, yeah, I actually did read the book like 20 years ago. So. I see. But um, but yeah, yeah. Serling wrote the story and uh. Well, actually, I'm not even sure. A- Andrew, are you sure what elements that he introduced? I'm yeah, I don't remember. Because <laughs> but... um, yeah, for, I shot an arrow into the air has a very similar astronaut That's right. sequence, That's which right. we talked I saw about that in, in your notes. Well, I mean, it does have the feel and the air of a of a Twilight Zone episode, and you know, if if one wanted to, you could really kind of chop this up into a 20 minute, you know, a decent episode of a. Uh, of twilight zone if you wanted to or they could have just called this twilight zone the movie and never, no one would have batted an eye so <laughs> also i get the impression that in the book the the big twist is less of a thing um which right. is a very rod serling move right to have the big twist ending yeah right i think in the book it's you're meant to know like from the start that this is earth no, I think if I remember correctly, in the book, it actually is a different planet. Um, with technologically advanced apes. Anyway, sorry, it's actually been a while since I read it, but it is quite different because the apes live in cities. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They have cars, TV shows, and stuff. Again, that's why the third one kind of fits the book better. Although now it's the you flip the ape and the human roles, right, uh, right, right, in the movie. But otherwise, it's a lot more similar to. Um, uh, Pierre's book. Sorry, it's his last name that really intimidates me. Boy, 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 boy. Okay, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that astronaut sequence in particular, because um, what was the guy's name in the Twilight Zone? I don't Kirby or something. I don't know. But uh, he was he was a sub- subordinate who was like, well, not just bullying, but homicidal towards everyone else. So yeah. we'll at least we'll at least give Taylor the fact that he's not actively trying to kill his crewmates although i guess he makes bad decisions that leads to them dying or being lobotomized i mean the only decision he made was let's go skinny dipping (laughs) (laughs) that's always a good decision in my book (laughs) (laughs) he he didn't seem all that perturbed by the dead woman you know in the in the spaceship Mm. that's that's because he knew already in the back of his mind that he'd be they, thrown a supermodel within a week. Yeah, they, <laughs> when your child has to, you just live with that assumption, I think. Yeah. <laughs> God, just like the one I got. You walk around looking face. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's that's what I'm saying. I I haven't like seen his original story treatment, but I'm assuming just because there are elements that are so much like that show that you know the the later treatments in the screenplay might have been just finessing those ideas to some degree. Could have been yeah, well, um, he's still stuff. in the credits is like listed as one of the two main writers yeah he had the first crack at it um mm. i think the other guy's name is wilson or something da, 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 da. michael wilson uh, had the second crack at it so yeah he he just you know it's kind of like he sold his story treatment and they they made a movie out of it but then he yeah. wasn't so involved so um, but yeah it, it does seem like they mostly kept what he'd put together 
the it impression I got. It would not have been cool if he had, um, like, you know, narrated this or something, especially <laughs> on screen narration. That would have been weird. <laughs> Unless he was an ape. That would have been. Cool. Well, he's got, he's got oh, the that was, for it. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Well, I guess, I guess technically um, what Taylor's doing at the very beginning uh, before going to um, Piper Sleep or whatever they call that, that, that's kind of like the narration. Yeah. And him screaming at the end could be like your ending narration. So even there kind of works. I didn't realize, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the director now, Franklin James Schaffner. And I, I, this is actually like his slumming film, it seems. Because, uh, yeah, he made Patton, Nicholas and Alexandria, Papillon, The Boys from Brazil. I mean, of those, Planet of the Apes is easily my favorite. I'm just saying the others are like classy and stuff. <laughs> they weren't like fantasy. At all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, Patton's got George C. Scott, but the fact is, if I want to see that, I'll just watch Doctor Strangelove because. But it, this isn't a film that's considered like um, cheesy or schlocky sci-fi too much, is it? It's it's just it's on the I, more intellectual end of it. Yeah, it has a thin veneer of the cheesy, mostly because we are watching a bunch of apes. Um, right. it, that quickly slides down as the movies go on. Not, mm. and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, let's face it, a dumb monkey movie is a lot of fun, and. We get Ricardo Monteblon, so that's always good too. But <laughs> I mean, if you put this up against those the ape movies that people had seen before, or sci-fi movies that people had seen before, I mean, this is this is a pretty big jump. I and mean, it's not a surprise to me that critically it did well, and um, you know, and financially it did well. Mm. Yeah, um, I remember as a kid, and still now, just the space effects at the beginning are so cool. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a bit of a a bit of a bummer that that's it. <laughs> the <Yeah>. space stuff. <laughs> like, um, but I mean, for the story, it makes sense. And, and then we instantly go like primitive. So, you know, as, as a kid who thought, who wanted shiny Flash Gordon stuff, that was a little bit of a bummer with the writer that this movie's so good, it barely matters. One thing I, I thought last night watching it, once after they land, I know that it's not an effect. It's just they filmed in cool locations, but those are some nice vistas they're walking through. Oh, like, yeah. Not if you're a stranded astronaut. but No, but <laughs> just as imagery is fantastic. And uh, I, I guess Andrew had a glance at my notes. But uh, yeah, I, I I do know as someone who was sent off to Sunday school as a kid, uh, all the uh, crucifixes being relatively disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, but the thing is, I think I met, no, Mad Max has people on, is it? Possibly. Okay. Maybe you think I was, of the scarecrows? Yeah, they're kind yeah. of scarecrows, but they, they have kind of a crucifix-ish look or whatever, so. Um, but no, I, th- I think Mad Max has something a little more disturbing. I might be thinking of that, but uh, yeah, it is, it I is. Didn't quite, of... I didn't quite, uh, it was hard for me to kind of see that, because I think they looked more like scarecrows to me. Yeah. The, the one Although, thing that... um, speaking of Sunday school, once you get into the the trial and all of that stuff, it does such a good job of making you feel really frustrated for ta- like Taylor's case. Like, yeah, no, your like... arguments don't make sense. Shut up and lay talk. Like, <laughs> it's so well done. Well, that's the thing. The fact of his existence proves it. He's a talking person, right? Yeah. But no, 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 no. There's got to be some, you know, he's a ventriloquist or something. It's Unlike the, um, the prosecutor's test for seeing if he can reason is just asking him questions that he has no way of knowing the answer to. 
uh, which is, that's what IQ tests do. <laughs> that's why the results are very racist. <laughs> well, it's like, um, uh, you know, like mathematics being the language of the universe, right? You, the yeah. logic thing has to be something that has nothing, no cultural baggage. Right. And then like the, just the very idea that the, um, the like head of science is also the defender of the faith and stuff. <laughs> that was oh that still works now yep yeah it makes it makes me think of the um uh one of the sctv sketches where it's um it's, it's john candy and some uh maybe dave thomas and the the man who would be king of the popes so the the pope is trying to be the what's it oh no no the the pope and the king are fighting over power right and then mm. in the end i think it's dave thomas just comes in to, like uh, you know i i'm better on both of you because now i am king of the popes <laughs> <laughs> so well, also um Dr. michael Zayas wilson is... the other writer at this time he was blacklisted as a communist by the does that matter by 1968 when did when did that really stop mattering i feel like 68 well that's why his name's on it right because yeah like, but um that was why he was ineligible for a oscar credit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now now you just I guess if you don't want to have anything to do with the Oscars, you you pull a Will Smith, but <laughs> <laughs> but in, in the fifties you had to be uh, uh, thought of as a commie. Didn't matter if you were one, of course, but yeah, and hell, but, it didn't matter if you were. <laughs> I uh, I could believe this guy was a communist based on this film. Yeah, you know, more power to him. So Taylor is his view of of capitalism <laughs> gone wild. <laughs> well yeah it, i mean how did he pass the psychological profiles that nasa must have well <laughs> um, i think you'll find it's actually answer on their shirts because i think they didn't want to pay to use nasa's logo <laughs> oh excuse me yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay. it's well because it was basically a suicide mission so i'd imagine are... the tests for people who are up for this are probably different than like for a normal trip around the moon or whatever <laughs> yeah i suppose so well how the other guys they should have all been just like you know like uh nihilistic or something well nihilistic. the third guy just seemed pretty chill with it all yeah and then that yeah, was you've... weird that's true it was very weird why everything was okay you're like what's wrong with you man <laughs> it's like they gave the lobotomy on the ship or <laughs> <laughs> i i guess ansa's screening processes just aren't as good as nasa's in the end so yeah but then, yeah, like, it made sense that Taylor would want to be there because, yeah, just complete and total nihilist. And then he he gave a pretty good explanation of why, um, is it Landon? Landon, yeah, you, you said Landon. Yeah, why Landon wanted to be there. Because that name always confused me because there was a girl named Landon at that Sunday school as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so why is Landon a man now? I don't get it. <laughs> So, you know, when you're five, that confuses you. But yeah, Dodge, um, I'm not sure what Dodge was doing on that mission. Landon, more like crashing. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't dodge that. Yeah. And they, (laughs) this, this is, um, this movie is very guilty of black guy goes out first. I mean, gal goes out first. Okay. Yeah. But we know, we don't really get to know her. Black guy and Landon, bas- Dodge and Landon basically both get taken out at the same time. True. It's we just, just that he Landon's finds one of, them, one of them lobotomized and the other one 
stuffed in a museum. <laughs> they must have like advanced taxidermy practices, though, because I don't mm. think you can taxidermy something that quickly. No, I but, think the fact that there was a black crew member is uh, was great. Um, you know, just given the time period for sure. Yeah. And um, you know, as and far as the woman dying, I mean, that was a little convenient, but <laughs> it would have caused a problem, I think, had the woman. Well, it, it's a bit of the um, the thing thing, right? Where the the story makes more sense if it's a bunch of dudes trapped together. Yeah, <laughs> just no, and bumping up against each other. True. Whereas, yeah, having a female presence would probably calm them down a bit. How do you think this would have rolled if they had kept the astronaut team together a little longer? Or do we just need the isolation? to? Really I think the isolation is important. And the whole fact that he's just a lone freak makes yeah. it work better. If there had been a full four of them who could corroborate their stories and have little conversations and make plans together, I mean, the I, whole I, plot doesn't I, work as well. I assume getting hit in the throat, um, you know, probably helped him out in the end because i'm guessing landon did start speaking up quite quickly and just got his head chopped off because dr zaya says something like, oh it's that was because of his injuries but yeah i don't think no no, no yeah we <laughs> he's clearly up what he's up to <laughs> well again i started seeing this movie when i was five so i was like oh he had other injuries did he okay i'll buy that <laughs> <laughs> that that's one thing that I guess does affect me in this movie the first time I saw it and saw it several times you know I was Mm. so young like like I didn't connect the obvious dots simply from being in elementary school (laughs) (laughs) so now watching I'm like oh yeah it is obvious but I still have just have that thought in the back of my head but wait a minute he had the injuries So that does color. I, th- maybe the same thing is going to happen with uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, where where I think I, I I watched it like 10 times before I could even figure out that James Franciscus and Charlton Heston are two different people. <laughs> 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 I mean, they cast like a clone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then still had Heston at the end of the movie. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the many reasons why the diversity casting now is so much better. So they're like, I'm not confusing somebody with someone else. Yeah. I mean, this, again, I guess this makes a token, is one of the first token nods to diversity casting. Although we did first base shit from Venus, which was the, uh, you know, East German film, which really got it right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, they still Although have- on, I saw a picture the other day of like the three dudes on the current season of The Bachelor in America. It's the same dude. It's just three of the same dude. <laughs> it's multiplicity. the ape city we need to talk about that which you can apparently still visit andrew have you visited the, the ape city are you kidding me where is that 
somewhere uh, about 40 minutes out of LA. I just know you've made a few LA trips and I have not. Yeah. So. And usually when I'm going to see movie stuff, it's usually kind of how famous houses and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, went by Russ Meyer's house. His van was still parked in the garage. That was wild. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I'm going to have to find out where that is. Cause I got to go there. Yeah. Tell me, tell me it, if you're on the way and I'll like, maybe I, I, can get some info for you on that yeah because um i was planning to actually go out in october we'll see if that ends up happening or not but um you say 45 minutes i usually don't try to get more than like an hour out of the city but some, uh, something like that anyway yeah the you can still visit the apes and of course you know making the movie that you don't want it to be uh, that far away because you know that's annoying <laughs> i'm definitely up for visiting ape city but i've also just learned that the ape Z ape city is a little a little rickshaw truck from India <laughs> called the Ape City, and I want one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you just drive around, and why is it called the Apes? Why, why, why it's called it? the Ape City? <laughs> well, it's like um, a few years ago. There's that that I, I think it went a little viral. The article about the clothing store in northern India called called Hitler, and yeah. <laughs> when the owners are asked why well he was a strict man and we want our clothing to feel that way <laughs> i guess he just wants to be like was it hugo boss who designed yeah, yeah okay <laughs> yeah i think boss made nazi uniforms basically every company that is successful right now collaborated with the nazis who <laughs> won in the end um now here yeah i, I heston was perfectly happy and running around naked through the whole movie but he's in the you know, hot sun. So that's better than being an ape makeup. Man, they must have been envious of him because they're like, boiling. oh, the guys in the ape costumes. Yeah. Yeah. They're sweating away in those rubber masks. Madison's just walking around in his loin rag. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's good. Good for him, I guess. So <laughs> I was I'm also looking, thinking about looking damn good. Yeah. Yeah. And wondering what, what level of sunburn he had managed to get. I mean, Heston or Taylor, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Riding around on a beach like that, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be fried soon. That that's what should have been in beneath the planet of the apes. When they find him, he's just like red as a beef. Right, red like a prawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've seen how quickly I sunburn from like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the old bald head, that doesn't help. Uh, it says it's an hour out. It's in Malibu. Okay, so it's right, right within range. I, I think you yeah. can. I think it's. I think the four hundred seven seven is nearby too. But there's nothing there. You just recognize the scenery. Yeah. So it's it's like you go. Yeah, it's like a little further southwest. So you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pack your mask for the October trip then. <laughs> <laughs> that sun is tricky out there, man. It's you like, just put you it on for the. You put it on for a picture or two, though. Oh, that would be yeah. great. I do. I'll get. I'll bring the gloves too. Why not? You know. <laughs> just Amanda doesn't drive, so like whenever we do go anywhere uh, that can't be gotten to by public transportation, it's usually, you know, we've got to get a car. So. Oh uh, well, you know what my solution is. <laughs> I would just fucking walk there. <laughs> Last week I walked ninety kilometers to the coast. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow, <laughs> but ape, ape city looks great oh yeah I'm that's at, 
I'm sorry. I'm totally deviating from the fact that we're live podcasting because I'm looking at it. I'm sorry. I just didn't realize it was that close. Okay. If there was anything of it left because um, I'm obsessed with Malta from Popeye. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's how I learned about the Ape City by bringing up <laughs> Malta's Popeye. And then there was Popeye. Right? What about okay. the Ape City? Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> but it what's great about it is it doesn't look. It looks like it was built the same way they act, not quite like humans. It looks like a place built by not quite humans. Like um, things don't have as many doors because I guess their society is more like you can just go in and out. It's fine. Um, and like it's not as flat because I guess the apes can just jump around and climb up and down on it. Uh, I think this is something which the Tim Burton one does really well as well is the ape city just looks like they inhabit it differently than how humans inhabit a space. And that's yeah, really that, interesting to see. That does bring kind of the technological disconnect in this movie. Because as cool as it looks, it is relatively like at best, like, I don't know, like a middle age mm. looking city. But then they have like genetics, apparently, you know, they're doing like proper archaeological digs. I mean, you know, well, things develop at different rates. But and also like it's made pretty clear the Science Council is deliberately keeping some things down. Um. And like, obviously, as a metaphor and whatever, you know, you can see that as a terrible thing, but also as a species which lives in the wake of humans destroying the planet kind of makes sense that they're being a little bit Luddite. Well, you know, spoiler alert for the next movie, but they turn out to be right. Yeah. No, that, that that's the thing that there's like oh they're the bad guys but no they actually turn out to be right man he does yeah. bring doom upon them all um also i'm thinking since this is new york city oh another spoiler alert for <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like the other one was at least slightly warranted but uh yeah um so that yeah that looks like upstate new york i'm sure all that scenery <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's all been like bombed out, whatever. I guess that's yeah. what we're the takeaway we're supposed to. Well, get, also, but... it's not necessarily New York. The statue could have just been launched a thousand kilometers across. The... Okay, let's just assume that is Malibu then, and Statue of Liberty was launched across the entire country. That's awesome, actually. Okay, I'm, well, maybe I'm that's on... just the Vegas Statue of Liberty, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. It just uh, and I again, my kid pointed this out how the water looked, you know, as far as like how, how it looked like the beach or whatever, like it really nice. And she's like, where are they? Like, well, they're not anywhere close to where this would actually be geographically. I, I guess that's just, especially in sixties, fifties and sixties movies and stuff. It's just, it's always California. You think this is Pennsylvania? It's California. <laughs> well, like the twilight zone, right? It's, it tells us it's this state and that state and this state, and it's always just this same stretch of California. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, part of the draw for Los Angeles becoming like the hub for filming is that you could go film in several very different looking locations, but you know, they don't necessarily specifically look like, say, a New England forest, right? <laughs> it just hardly ever rains and it's always sunny. And so, you know, yeah. It's good for the insurance. I've heard uh, you can say that except for December when it rains all the time. Yeah, but who's filming movies in December? Yeah. (laughs) Although if if that's why you choose places to film, why is so much stuff filmed in London? (laughs) (laughs) Because you want a rainy... Well, so it's like indoor studios, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) 
Um, are there any big hits? I mean, I feel like there, there's something. I guess we haven't we haven't really talked much yet about that ending. Okay. Like, okay, I guess yeah. We usually don't just sit around talking about the ending for a while, but this is one to do that with. Sure. It's like one of the iconic endings. Yeah, of film. I was gonna say and it's, I, it's it's up there. What makes it so good is it's not. You talk about this a lot in Twilight Zone, actually. Sometimes there's the episode where it's it's about the twist, and sometimes there's the episode where the twist is cool, but the episode works whether you know the twist or not. And like this film is still great when you know from the start what's going on. Oh yeah, um, I mean it's it's kind of like it's the twist in this one's just like a little cherry on top, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not like a Shyamalan thing where you get the twist and you're like, "That was great," but I'm never gonna watch this film again. It doesn't yeah. particularly change anything that happened before. Well, also, it it only really makes sense as a twist when the film was made, because back in the '60s, when you make a sci-fi movie, yeah, sure, every planet just has humans that look like humans on Earth. Right. Whereas now that doesn't make sense. Of course, it's Earth. It's full of humans and apes. <laughs> <laughs> so now when you're watching it, like it's a twist for the um, for character for Taylor. But even if you don't ostensibly know the twist, I feel like an audience member today is looking at it and thinking that's Earth. So did aliens just kind of like turn the ship around and giggle while everyone was in hypersleep <laughs> I, I think like Charlton has to just typed in the wrong coordinates because he clearly was not a very responsible captain <laughs> ANSA engineering is just not not up to snuff I mean their <laughs> landing procedures too are, are to be you know not to be uh, copied hey, that was a successful water landing in my book <laughs> Any landing you can swim away from. I do love the going, going, gone. Like he barely <laughs> cares. Yeah. yeah. And then Charlton's just like, we're here to stay. <laughs> Compare that with Interstellar, you know. Yeah. Or not yeah. Which one was it where they realized they're probably there forever? Was it Interstellar? They, the time dilated water planet. They right. uh, big, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's bits of that in Interstellar. Although oh, Matt Damon the other is thing, there forever. The other thing this has in common with Interstellar is it's one of the few films that takes into account that when you're traveling these kind of interstellar distances, like time is just going to be whack. Well, uh, I, I did think that I was like, well, Interstellar does it more because of the black hole gravitational mm -hmm. forces, but kind of the same idea, right? It's, yeah. Whereas a lot of sci-fi, even so-called hard sci-fi, your Star Treks and stuff, they act like events at different planets are happening simultaneously. That's just not how time works on that scale. Um, like if you're on the Enterprise and I'm on the Stargazer, we're basically never going to see each other again because you might age 500 years, I age 600 years. It's just, yeah. Well, they're making warp bubbles there. But but in yeah. 1968, I, this was the smartest way to uh, yeah. probably go about it. And then sure. you've got stuff like Star Wars where you can sit on one planet and watch a different planet explode in real time. <laughs> it's like no that light will get to you in like eight years <laughs> it's for dramatic effect man i know i know i know I, I i do not go into star wars movies expecting scientific accuracy <laughs> god it's an afterthought if that yeah i want to i want to give an a detailed dissection of the midichlorians i want to know exactly how they work 
I need some microscope images. <laughs> but that's what I mean. In, in something like Star Wars, it's fine. But a lot of films pertain to be accurate sci-fi. But most of them are scared to approach the fact that, yeah, once you're traveling through the stars, time is just fucked. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, Matt. There's your swear words. You're going to have to edit out for the, uh, okay. the Twilight Zone <laughs> I feed. Try to do, try to be good. <laughs> yeah, usually this one, you can do what you want, but I thought I'd... I'd put this on the twilight zone one as well so it's, it's only one you can height. do one no there's actually two there's one earlier oh, what ah. i'm gonna do is put up to the i'll do the regular one right and then just like time code where to do it and then like you know laser point it later so mm-hmm. i have a process here <laughs> not that anybody cares um no. so or you old- can just put it up with a little uh, little message at the front like you know this podcast was recorded two weeks ago. Please take it in the context of the time it was made. The reviews don't necessarily represent <laughs> the reviews of the Time Enough podcast. <laughs> what I can, so if I, no, okay. So I can like say, oh, those were the views of two weeks ago, me. So it doesn't have a bearing on current me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Different man. <laughs> That and that that's that's why nobody ever gets cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh they, they don't cancel culture's not real. I Some said that three searching. weeks ago, folks. I mean, yeah, I I I like I've had like several dinners since then. <laughs> <laughs> if you have only had several dinners in three weeks, you're malnourished, man. <laughs> well, several's a pretty uh, you know Yeah, several's pretty number. vague. <laughs> <laughs> I made soup. I mean, come on! I'm a changed man. I, I, mean, I do what sure. I made soup from children that I procured from an island, but <laughs> that was two days ago. I'm an even more changed man since then. Just tomatoes today <laughs> that were harvested by my slave children. But I freed those slave children five minutes ago, so it's fine. <laughs> you can only judge me on what I'm doing right now. Live in the now, man. <laughs> The statute of limitations is instantaneous. <laughs> there, we've solved uh, the universe. Yep. But, Your uh, Honor, I'm done killing him. <laughs> Rats, you're free to go. <laughs> that, that's, like the, um, that's like the George Carlin bit. You know, when I hit someone, I just keep going. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be any more trouble to them than I've already been. <laughs> I got things to do. <laughs> So uh, I did want to just have a thought like this. Obviously, the the newer apes movies kind of fit in with these, but kind of don't. Although. Well, so the sequels get into like there's some time travel stuff, right? Yeah. So if you want to be a real dork about it, the new movies are the original timeline that would have happened without the time travel. Oh, okay. And the new ones are the. So it's like it's like the John Connor we never see. Mm. There you go. So, so they need uh, that they exist. They, they exist in the Kelvin verse. Then, as well. no, they existed. The original movies are the Kelvin verse. Oh, we're doing a the backwards. new ones are the original timeline. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Okay, I'll buy. I'll buy that theory because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> well, that's how I feel about them. I mean, again, one of my things that I love about the series is like you can just sit and watch them. And I really feel like one picks up where the other does leave off. You know, I, I, I you see, you catch me when I've just watched the whole, I'll explain all of it. To you. 
but I never had an issue with uh, the timeline as far as, as far as that was concerned of the chronology. Hmm. I just don't feel like they ever really messed with it that much. And Plus, the, the... they're made and also set so far apart. Yeah. It's not like the, apart from like one or two instances, it's not like the same characters are in all of them. It's getting complicated in that way. You can so, make, you can account for people not quite remembering things that happened centuries apart. So the Burton one is just that time that Caesar hung out in an opium den. Those are his well, visions. <laughs> I actually did stumble across last night an article that was like, what order should you watch the Planet of the Apes films? And then it's just like, release order. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right yeah that's and then it gets right. to the 2001 one it's like this one doesn't really count so just watch it when you want <laughs> i was like wow thanks article what's interesting is looking speaking of disney plus uh look at looking at them the way they order all the star wars the various things including the shows where mm. they've, they've got the ability to watch them in order if you like and uh that's a wild thing to sort of scroll through do they make last Jedi, would... the last one they make Je- Last Jedi the last one? Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. the last one that exists as far as me and Matt can say. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, you get in there because like, because like the, for instance, a Boba Fett one picks up in, in after uh, Return mm, of Mandalorian. Jedi. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, so they order it there? Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's cool. The I would actually like a, one of these streaming services for Star Trek where it would just play me like in the order they aired. So it would go like, DS9 Voyager, DS9 Voyager, like that. I, rather than me having to sit and figure that stuff out myself. Yeah. <laughs> I have Paramount Plus, which is where I would assume they all live. Yeah, well, annoyingly, that's not in Japan yet. And and also, the um, they don't make it that convenient on Paramount Plus. So, um, <laughs> And also, apparently, um, their streaming sucks for those. <laughs> Like I I don't know I just there's a lot of movie premieres that they have. No no I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because all the new Trek I assume streams well. But mm-hmm. if you try watching like classic Trek like you want to watch Voyager on Paramount Plus it it's kind of crap. Luckily all no. the classic Trek is still on Netflix in Japan so I'm all good. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean yeah. Uh oh. And Matt's showing us his DVDs again forgetting that this is an audio podcast. Right, but did, did his mic cut out? I think he there might have go. accidentally yanked it out of his computer. Yes, that's correct. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> the, actually, the, the Twilight Zone box took out my mic. So that kind of makes sense, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Although, um, if you want to watch really classic Trek, it's all very easy to find online for free. Because um, I wanted to use a clip of Captain Kirk in my Pokemon podcast the other day. Uh, thanks to you, actually, Matt, because you mentioned the Kirk line about, like, humans have a natural revulsion to reptiles <laughs> and i was doing a little opening monologue on about like dragon mythology and i decided to use that clip okay so i ended up cool. downloading the whole episode of um, <laughs> arena is that the one yeah they're the gorn yes yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah where did i bring up the gorn okay the snake's on a plane <laughs> oh okay there we go <laughs> <laughs> gorn's on a plane that'd be that'd be a cool movie <laughs>
Well, I mean, this is the sci-fi that holds up, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's like, like you you always say on the Twilight Zone, you don't bother asking how does it hold up because we know it does. It's definitely true of Planet of the Apes. Okay, so do we tripometer it then? <laughs> I hope. Hmm. Why not? Why don't I just throw out the Twilight Zone questions yeah. on this one? So, I mean, okay, this, let's let's this go is an exercise in plugging the two shows. So do it. Yeah. Okay. So in this episode, who exactly went into or through the Twilight Zone of the Apes? I would say the um the two the two ape leads more than anyone. Yeah. Because like Charlton Heston, if anything, is of the Twilight Zone. He just, just like he's... drops out of the sky and changes their world. <laughs> <laughs> but we are supposed to identify with him because he's human. Well, that's another interesting thing about this film. Um it's clearly intended for that. But I do find myself identifying with the apes a lot as well. And you get to the end of the film and he gets like to ride off into the sunset. And then Dr. Zaius is just like, okay, bond the cave. None of this counts. <laughs> I'm like, that's a super bleak ending. But I'd imagine yeah. for a lot of people, it's just like, I don't really care about that. That's the ape story. I'm identifying with this human. But if you do invest in the ape society at all, like, oh, nothing's changing for them. Well, like they turn the key with the third movie. From then on, it it is the apes are mm. who you're supposed to be identifying with, and definitely the most recent trilogy. It is. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, which I is mean, one of the reasons I love those films so much because I always identify with you know the beast or the creature or the robot more than the humans. So I like it when a film lets me. I just find it ironic. I just recently did the Twilight Zone episode. People are like all over, which has. Roddy McDowell as the sole surviving astronaut crash landing on Mars. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to say specifically Roddy McDowell, not, not even Cornelius, Roddy McDowell for that <laughs> reason. <laughs> um, your take, who went through the Twilight Zone, Andrew? You know, <laughs> you both make a really, really good case for both. I was going to say Cornelius, but um, God. Roddy McDowell. <laughs> We're just gonna have to do a McDowell slash Cornelius because I, 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 I mean, those. That's a solid case for both. Matt, I mean, if I wasn't such a big Twilight Zone fan, I might be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> but I solidly believe that because um, I'm not gonna identify with Charlton Heston. Hell. <laughs> yeah, the whole point was you were kind of supposed to in '68, but now it's just. I mean, it's this. It's funny because the book had a pretty strong satirical edge, which I don't think people saw at the time when this came out. But now it does almost feel like satire in a way because well, of I mean, his character. Well. Oh, there's a famous um, Stuart Lee, my favorite comedian, did a bit about the Planet of the Apes ending. Um, the joke there is he's like, oh, the Planet of the Apes, he gets to the end and he finds the Statue of Liberty. The apes have recreated the Statue of Liberty on their planet. Never explained. Ridiculous ending. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying so it, the film is satire because what satire is is when it's it's like here but with animals <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure why not <laughs> oh yeah this film is satire because it's like earth but with animals yeah what if he'd just gone you're stolen from earth you damn dirty bitch <laughs> <laughs> you stole our statue <laughs> you stole our statue that, that would have been a hysterical ending like if he just didn't quite get it <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude? Come on. <laughs> um, 
should we add Zira in for going? Oh, to... I, I was saying Zira and Claudius. Oh, okay, okay. okay. I, yeah. I just got I just got laser focused on Roddy there. Okay. Um, well, as so... you know, I thought Zira was Roddy McDowell until an hour ago. <laughs> Either one, take your pick. Um, do they deserve their trip through the Twilight Zone? I mean, Charlton Heston deserves every torture you can inflict on a man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think Especially the character of George Taylor. <laughs> I think we're focusing on our ape lovebirds for this question. <laughs> well, they they did deserve the vindication that he brought, but unfortunately they didn't get it. They got yeah. yanked out of the Twilight Zone just before they could get what they were looking for. <laughs> they, they, Yeah, they got to know they were right, but yeah, I guess. The world won't. The world hasn't long to last anyway. It's fine. <laughs> um, Andrew, what, how about for you? Do I deserve it? Deserve well, I mean, loaded word. Some Sometimes it depends on what you feel like is sort of the justice system of the movie, right? And so, um, you know, their curiosity got them what they wanted. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, they wanted, to, they wanted to change the world. They wanted a revolution, which they do not get, so. The status no, quo, they, they know they're right, but the status quo will be maintained, which, yeah. But as scientists, it, it, you know, their curiosity is certainly, um, you know, they, they're certainly their knowledge is further and they are find out they were right. Okay. Um, tripometer for folks that are just hearing it's the first time, zero is not trippy at all, five is very trippy. Um, decimals are fine, imagined numbers are fine, strange noises are fine. Um. <laughs> it's really difficult for me to judge this because this film was released a year before my parents were born so I can't put myself in the position of it's 1968 I've driven myself down to the drive-in theater with my, my baby doll and I'm going to watch this new movie with the tough guy and the monkey and experiencing this right because <laughs> I'm sure it was like a five then but watching it now, there's so many films have done similar post-apocalyptic settings and imagined, you know, what could come after humans. Like, Splatoon is like the number one most popular game with children, and that's set in a world where humans are extinct and the squids have taken over. So, like, I don't know how to judge this. Do I judge it in 2022? Do I try and judge it in 1968? So my rating on the tripometer is. <laughs> I knew that was your rating from the start. I just, I, did, I didn't know it needed so much preamble. I thought you were going to go straight to it. <laughs> I, I knew that was your answer. <laughs> um, I, I'll give it an actual number at a four because I think it's kind of like, you know, pretty OG trippiness but like i said we get all the space stuff and then it gets all the you know lots of dirt mm. and uh it loses a point because it's got so much dirt <laughs> so that's yeah i'll give it a, a, a normal number score for once <laughs> yeah i'm sitting here now thinking about curious george goes to the planet of the apes there was a comic book series of king kong goes to the planet of the apes is that right oh, yeah man. yeah i kind of want to read that I would love to read that. He's so much bigger. Yeah. Be yeah. <laughs> a king there. I was going to say, hey, nothing's changed for Kong. <laughs> um, all right. So Tripometer, I, I hear you, man. Uh, you know, I was going to say maybe something around a two or three, but I'm only thinking about the beginning. 
and the mm. way that that is sort of trippy. But I think the idea of sitting and watching a movie that's this long with with the main characters being in ape makeup, that's weird. Yeah. It never stops being weird. So I just imagine if you got high and went to see Planet of the Apes, that would do it for you for a good long time. <laughs> so <laughs> I do, I, I'm, a, I'm in favor of the four. Okay. Um, you know, something we did not do in this podcast, we, we never introduced Andrew because I guess we don't need to at this point, but uh, why don't you tell people what you're up to? <laughs> Okay, well, pleasure speaking with you both. Um, my friends and I make movies. <laughs> That's right. I thought that was your answer. To, what are you up to? Pleasure. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Pain, indivisible. <laughs> no, I'm. <laughs> my friends and I make movies. We're called Gonzorific. G O N Z O R I F F I C. Uh, you can um, go to gonzorific.com and procure some of our movies like Ariola Jones and uh, Bad Girl Dracula and Space Boobs in Space. Space Boobs in Space is always also available on the Plex streaming channel. Bad Girl Dracula is available on the Reverie streaming channel. And I am in the uh, post-production on Jugsaw, which is exactly like how it sounds. What does it sound like? Like full with tits. it's got something to do with some yeah some 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 horrifically awesome memories at work at the moment me and matt are having to sing um b-i-n-g-o but every time all i can hear in my head is g-o-n-z-o 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 r-i-f-f-i-c So, you know, I've heard never... you do that plug enough times that it's lodged in my head. <laughs> yeah, that never even occurred to me until I began doing it on this show and I've plugged it on other podcasts before. I know whenever you know, <laughs> I love now, it, I, I a always wanted a theme song. Generation of young Japanese children that are doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> when the Gonzorific logo happens, everybody goes, Gonzorific titty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Luke, cast your spell. All right. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at MLSFSPod. Um, you can also find other podcasts that me and Matt and our friends make by going to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. Uh, if you want to throw us a dollar a month to hear stuff early and help keep it online, you can do that. But even if you don't, that website's a great place to find links to all the stuff me and Matt create, like Time Enough Podcast, a podcast about the Twilight Zone, like Luke Loves Pokemon, a podcast about Pokemon, like Monster Mash, a podcast about Monster Hunter, which is currently on hiatus, but we'll be back in a month or two. Game Game Show, a game show about games. And Oral Hygiene, a podcast about whatever weird TV show Matt wants to talk about that week. <laughs> or movies, movies. Um, yeah, I was going to say something. Oh, well, it's gone now, so I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was Earth all along. Yeah. Oh, 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 I got it. I was just going to say, uh, just to add to our Patreon, not to plug too much, but on this episode, you do get Luke reading the plot to Bumblebee in German. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Got to go to Patreon for that. It's pretty great. <laughs> I hate every ape I see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. You'll never make a monkey out of me. No. Oh my God, I was wrong.
It was us all along. You finally made a monkey. Yes, you finally made a monkey. You finally made a monkey out of me. I love you, Dr. Zeus. <laughs> I thought you were going to do that with your, 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 what's your word for singing? Oh, Papadam. 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 Okay, we could probably. It works. It totally works.